Good morning, everybody. Let me introduce myself. I'm your pastor. Yeah, I, you may have gotten to a place where you weren't sure if you had one anymore. So I just wanted to verify the fact that you do. Thanks for letting me uh, travel about the world. And um, I'm, I'm excited to share a little bit about that with you today. I've been anxious to get back here and be with you and uh, just worship together. Um, so thank you for the time away, but I want you to know that I'm very glad to be back home. And uh, I, minimal jet lag, believe it or not. Uh, so I don't know, I'll, I'll figure out that formula, and if you're ever traveling far away, just ask me and I'll, I'll tell you how to avert jet lag. But it only took about 40 hours to get home, so not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. Hey, uh, I hope you have come today ready to engage the presence of the Lord. Uh, I know he is, uh, ha has intention to meet with us here today. And so my hope for you is that you will open up your heart and your mind to whatever it is that he has for you this morning. I also hope that you received one of these on the way in. There's a lot of helpful information in there. Uh, just a couple of things I want to highlight um, next week is our all-church campout, Cotopaxi. Um, quite a few of us have signed up for that. It may be too late. I don't know. We're not doing reservations here. So if you have any interest in joining us, you just need to contact the Cotopaxi KOA and see what kind of availability they have. They've got hotel rooms, cabins. You can bring an RV. You can pitch a tent. Um, they pretty much have all the different kind of lodging there. But they may be booked up. I don't know. So if it's something you've been thinking about doing or you're hearing about it for the first time and want to check into it, we'd love to have you. It's a fun time. Uh, we'll have some great worship time together. Um, Perry's got some um, uh, uh, yoga moments that, that uh, she has prepared for us as well. Just some, And it's lots of leisure hangout uh, time at Cotopaxi. That's next week. Actually, this coming week, right? This coming week ahead of us. Um, VBS is around the corner, and it's a significant event for us. We put a lot of energy into trying to make as great of an event as possible for the, the kids, not only in our church, but in our uh, general community as we invite them in to try to share the love of Jesus with them. Now, that's just a couple of weeks away, and if you are... Um, interested in participating in that, there are sign-up sheets right out these doors at the welcome desk. Um, you can find plenty of opportunity there to, to engage as a, as a helper, a worker, a, a, a prayer supporter. There's lots of different ways to get connected into VBS. We do need everyone praying over that event uh, for our workers, but especially for the kids, as we just want them to have open hearts and minds to the love of Jesus. Um, I also have an exciting announcement. I want to invite Jack and Chloe Lemberg up to the, with me. Um, <clears throat> we have talked to you throughout the year about our teen Bible quizzing program, and they are coming today with some trophies. They went to the world quiz, so we have districts, and then they, we won districts, and we went to regionals, and we, uh, some of our team qualified to go to world and Jack and Chloe went to World Quiz, which was in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. 
And I want you to know that our team got sixth place in the whole world. Not bad, huh? Not bad. Not too shabby. Um, we focused in on First uh, and Second Corinthians this year. So they dug into lots of deep stuff. Now that this season is over, we have about two or three weeks of break. And then we get into the book of John as we start uh, into our next season. So these kids, as they're studying, but by the time they graduate high school, they have focused in on five, six, maybe seven books of the Bible in memory, um, some of them. So it's, it's a wonderful program that we got going on. We just want to congratulate you guys. We're proud of you. Awesome job. Well done. Way to represent. Thank you. Pastor Scott, where are you? You've got an update on our youth trip. Why don't you use that mic or whichever one? Thank everyone here that came out, helped out with our dessert auction. We were able to raise $1,200, so that was awesome. So help these guys go to Zuni. We're leaving this Friday, um, and so be, please be in prayer for that. It's going to be a great trip. We're excited. And I have another special announcement that Pastor doesn't even know about. Uh-oh. My wife, Rachel, is pregnant. Woo! So we're excited to be expecting late January. We're pumped, and we wanted to share it with all you guys first. So Surprise. Woo! Woo! So, there's so that. that means that we have two of our staff members. I just want you to know we are not pregnant. <laughs> just, it's not, it's not in the water. Anything like that? That is so awesome. Congratulations. Very, and, and when are you due? Do you know yet? End of January. Right around the corner. Okay. Very exciting. Um, man, that's good news. Well, on that note, let's stand together and join together in celebration as we worship the Lord together in spirit and truth. I want you to greet one another, and our worship team will come out and get in place.
Your promises. 
to all of you for um, just how willing and open you are to learning new worship songs uh, here at this church. I do, I feel as though you are willing to choose to worship um, whether or not the song is super familiar to you. And I think that is a wonderful sign of your dedication to Christ. And I just want to thank you for that. Continue to choose this morning to participate in this atmosphere of worship that the Holy Spirit is calling us to. Let the King of my heart be the fountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song, yes. Let the king of my heart be the shot where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song, because you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good.
to him if you know it. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. Have you ever that when you've reached out for God that you've continued to feel alone that you felt like he wasn't there in your desperation in your prayer you've just felt nothing I feel that this song is a declaration of our faith saying Lord I know you're there I know that you're working in my life through this pain, through this struggle. God, I know that when the night is holding on to me, you are holding on even stronger, God. So, Lord, we declare this with our lips. We know that you are a faithful God. And it's not about how we're feeling. It's not some cool wind that we that we feel with our body or with our eye that we see with our eyes God we just trust in you with our spirit with our heart we know that you are there I just encourage you to step out in faith this morning church despite the doubt despite the, any doubt you might have just declare it this morning that he is holding on to you. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. Even though we might not feel it sometimes, when the night is holding on to me, holding on when the night is holding on to me God is holding on sing it up when the night is holding on to me
to rely on that strength, on your faithfulness, on your love, on your goodness. Lord God, we push through our doubt. We step out in faith despite it. It's there. It's there, Lord, but we choose to have faith in you despite it, because of it, through it, God. And we declare that we need you, Jesus. We need to rely on you. Our strength can only go so far on our own, Jesus. Throughout our weeks, our struggle, our schedule, 
the drama, Lord. We can only rely on our own strength for so long, God. We need you. We need your faithfulness. We need you to be the rock upon which we stand, God, each day, each moment. church and singing through the motions. Please let it be real. He is here and he hears you. He's receiving your worship right now, church.
Jesus, we call on your name today. We declare your worth. And we declare our need for you. Even if coming into this space today, we didn't quite know our need for you, maybe we've forgotten the depth of our need for you, we are reminded of the intensity of our need for you. We need you individually at work in our lives, transforming us and shaping us and making us more into the people that you've called us to be. We need you in our families, in our marriages, empowering husbands and wives moms, dads, and children to, to be the family units that you have called us, created us to be. Keep showing us your way. Our community desperately needs you. Thank you for the protection that you have given us with all the fires burning and we know we're still in the middle of of that kind of danger, but we hold on to the reality that you're holding on to our community, protecting your land that you've created and protecting us, your people called by your name. We, we desperately need you in our community. Continue to open the eyes and the hearts of those that have not believed on you yet. Empower your church, the churches in this community that represent you, empower your church to continue to shine your light into the darkness. Jesus, we need you in our nation. So much turmoil, so much anger and hate, so many harsh things being said back and forth between those that should be calling one another brothers and sisters in America and yet we just fight and we bicker and we insult one another. We need you in our nation. From the top down, our government, all the way down to those of us that just get to call this our home. Pour out your spirit upon this nation and Jesus, we need you in this world. So much of it, not knowing who you are, not knowing the truth about what you have done for them. Continue to open up hearts and eyes and minds to the truth about you. We declare our need for you. And as we have committed to doing, we pray for Laban Haji Mohammed, a known terrorist, a known threat to the world, hiding somewhere. We lift him up to you and we ask that you will move in his life, regardless of the lies that he has bought into that you will break through his, the darkness that surrounds him and pour your truth and your light into 
his being. Whatever schemes that he is working on, I pray that they are broken at the foot of your cross, that they will not be successful, that he will run into continued resistance until he realizes that he's coming up against you, the creator and sustainer of all things, the true and living God. And at some point inside of all of that journey, he will truly come to believe in you as Messiah. He represents so many. Lord, there are many needs in our church, some that we all know about, some that are kept private, but we lift up our needs to you and we entrust our stuff into your hands, into your care, trusting that you have a a good and pleasing and perfect will that you want to unfold in those things. But one in particular that we pray for today, George Carey, who tomorrow will get on a plane and head across the planet to somewhere in the western part of Africa where he will by your grace and your mercy, enter into negotiations with some terrorists to free some captives. So we commit to praying for him over the next eight, nine, ten days for his safety, for clarity that you will use him and his team to accomplish your purposes in that darkened area, that those those Al-Qaeda terrorists who have been holding these people captive for upwards of two years will turn their hearts and their minds in such a way that they will be moved to let them go. Protect those that have been in captivity. Give them the strength to hold on just a little longer. Freedom is coming. Again, Lord, we know that this is just one scenario that we know about. They represent so many who are suffering at the hands of our enemies. It just reminds us all the more how desperately we need you. We are your people called by your name. We turn our hearts and our minds towards you in all things. You are our God and our King. And it's in Christ's mighty name we all pray and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. As our ushers are preparing, I, I just want to share with you um, uh, a financial need. Um, <clears throat> you guys, I, I, first of all, I want to say thank you for how faithful. Um, this church is to give and, and supporting the ministries of this place. We're, we're in one of those unique times. It, it happens occasionally where there's lots of big things that sort of come together all at once, big projects that come together all at once, and suddenly we have, you know, bigger bills than usual that happen all at once. And we're kind of in that mode. We've got some projects that we're really trying to wrap up. If you've been up in the children's department area, there's a wall that has been built, but it needs to be finished. 
not much money there except that <clears throat> except that we've got to add some fire mitigation sprinkler smoke alarm stuff that all has to be added in there it's like six grand to pull that off really need about another 10 grand to finish the kitchen uh, the deck at the parsonage is half done um, and and we have VBS in a couple weeks and it costs about two thousand dollars to pull that event off so I'm just sharing with you um, these needs and and we're trusting God for for all of that I, I think the number that we really need to make all that happen is about twenty thousand um, to to complete all that to finish that and I'm, 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 I'm trusting God that that he will provide every dollar needed but I have to make that known to the church family if if he moves on your heart to maybe give a little extra just to get us through all these finishing all these projects um, that would be such a blessing to us as a church family let's just take this need to the Lord now Jesus you know every dollar every cent that it, that is needed to continue to accomplish the ministries that we're doing I thank you for the provision that has already come we, we stand in a room that that you built and um, so I, I I know that this these projects that need to be finished you've got in mind how how that's gonna happen so we just simply lift all these needs up to you and we lift up our offerings to you continue to move on our hearts and our minds as, as we are worshiping you through our giving but take what we have to offer you this morning use it bless it multiply it please multiply it accomplish your purposes all through it and continue to build your church with it we pray in Christ's name amen your faithfulness I will rest in your promises my confidence is your
Well, if, that, if you believe that, will you just shout amen? amen? Good, good. So over the last week or so, I've gotten used to a couple of things. In Africa, where uh, when, you're, when you're gathered together, the, somebody's coming up onto the stage, they all start doing this. So go ahead and do this, for just to help me. This is how they welcome in the next speaker. Pretty cool, right? I mean, they... Man, they, let me tell you, they have some fun. And what happens is they, they start clapping like that, and somebody will just start singing a song. So now you've got to go through another song. Then, you, then um, by the time they're done and you're starting to walk up, they start clapping again because that's what they're supposed to do. And then somebody will start singing a song again. And before you know it, they've sang about 12 or 13 songs. So if you think four songs is long, go to the other side of the planet. I... Uh, I've been anxious about this morning because there's so much I want to share with you. And I, the last thing that I want this to become is like a missionary report, okay? I, I, that, that's not. So I'm hoping to take you on a little journey with me um, that has a lot of surprises in it. Who remembers television in the 80s? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're able to. Okay. Those of us that remember television in the 80s, we were inundated by images of Ethiopia, if you recall this. Throughout the 80s, there was so much fundraising happening for Ethiopia, and we were inundated by images of, uh, of, of small children, no clothes, big um, bellies because of malnutrition. We all remember this, right? This wasn't just in Oklahoma, Okay. Wasn't, this was all over the place, and Michael Jackson wrote, we are the world, we are the children. Come on, we remember that song, right? Okay, and all that was fundraising for Ethiopia. Gambella, Ethiopia, was, was at the heart of all that. It was right, it, it, some of those images were probably straight out of, out of this region. A couple things were happening in the 80s that, that caused this. One being that the regime that was in place was, was doing a very poor job of distributing resources. And so they're just, you know, the government that was in place was, was awful. But there was a massive drought. I don't know if that rings a bell, but that was part of what we were shown was the drought conditions in, in Ethiopia. In the 90s, those two, of those, those two things changed. Uh, there was a revolution in 1992 government was overthrown, and the new government that was installed has done a much better job at distributing resources, and then it, and then it rains. Uh, uh, I think out of the six days that we were in Gambella, it rained three of them, so they're, they're getting plenty of moisture now. What's also interesting is that the, the, the people in that region mostly are clothed, though some are still not, but they're wearing our clothes from the 90s. So about every five or ten boys are wearing Michael Jordan sh shirts. And they have no idea what they're wearing. They have no idea what Chicago Bulls number 23 meant to America in the 90s. They have no idea that when they're wearing this, they're, they're wearing the shirt of a person that would arguably be the greatest basketball player that has ever lived. Many would still believe that. They have no idea. To them, it's just cover. 
one of the gals that was with us throughout the week, she's 21 years old, married, has a, has a three-year-old, and, and they live in a hut, just like you would imagine. Um, but she was hanging out with us all week, and she was wearing this, this fancy dress, some, some American dress cast off, you know, from a decade ago or whatever, and she's wearing this fancy dress because they're well, they're well uh, wearing prom dresses and formals, and it, it's just covers, whatever they've been handed off to, and, um, and, it's, and it's covered with rhinestones, and I recognize that it's the Macintosh apple um, on her dress. Sitting across the table from me, I said, Nishan, do you, do you know what this means? And she's like, I have no idea. And I pulled out my phone, and I showed her, and she was like, oh. See, they're, they're, it, it, they're covered with our, with our cast-offs. And it's interesting to me because as I'm looking at them, I'm realizing that the, the poverty really is still there. It's just we've just kind of covered them up. And, and they'll tell you just like what they said to me they said the world has forgotten us now um the un had had was there uh the 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 catholic church has a, a food distribution place there clearly somebody's handing out clothing but they're walking around all day up and down these streets, going nowhere. They're just walking around, person after person. Wild dogs are, are running the streets. Um, every time I saw them, I couldn't help, but that Toto song would come into my head. Wild dogs cry out in the night. Uh, you know the song Africa, right? Come on, it's ringing a bell. Okay, so dogs are running all over the place. Cattle just wandering the streets, starved-looking cattle. It, it, it's so... It seems all so random. They're just, and it's just people wandering around with, with no place to go because there's really no commerce happening. You can, and they're they're clothed, but you can tell that they're they're starving. I didn't really know what my purpose was in going there till a few days before we left, when our group leader Michael uh, said to me. You're, you're going to be training pastors. And I was like, wow, okay. I, and I really had no concept of, of what that meant. But we, we, we land in town, um, drop our stuff off at the hotel, and we shuttle, we're shuttled straight over to the Church of the Nazarene in Gambella. It's a, it's, it's a pretty nice property. It's, it's about the size of our property, and they have a building that's about this big. That can seat about 500 people, and it's just a big open tabernacle-looking thing. And as we come into the walls of uh, uh, the fence, we come inside the, through that gate. There's a crowd of children, a couple of hundred children, just clapping and singing at the top of their lungs. I have no idea what they're singing, uh, and um, and it's just uh, 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 the orphans right from there in, uh, that wander the streets. Most of them have no parents. Um, they just crash wherever. They, and I'm talking about little ones up to big ones. They sit us down right in front of them, and 
and we're told this, this one girl wants to sing a song for you, and, and, and she gets up and she starts singing, and, and Michael tells us, by the way, this, this girl has no family. Her, she watched both of her parents be killed. Um, and she's singing about God's greatness uh, at Michael's interpreting song. As soon as her song starts winding down, this other girl comes along next to her, this one that you're looking at here, and she starts to sing and she just falls on her knees. Tears are just streaming down her face. You can see those tears. God is with me. It's something like that. And that other girl, the first girl, comes up next to her. I, I, I wish we had this video, but we were just so overwhelmed. She comes up next to her. She starts wiping her tears away. I mean, these are, these are kids that have, they literally have nothing, don't even have family. And they're holding one another up. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I get stressed out when I get a hangnail. And I feel like, how, how in the world can I connect with people that this is their reality? This is their every day. And it's probably going to be their every day for the rest of their lives. Though they might get American cast-off clothing to cover it up, the reality is they're starving. And they wander around with no direction, no place to go. We were inside of this property. We had two things that we were doing. <clears throat> we were um, in, inside of the building. We were teaching pastors outside of the building. We were running a VBS for these orphans. And throughout the week, those orphans were were shared, they, 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 they received the gospel message, and about 200 of them accepted Christ on Thursday. And then we, we had bags of clothes we wanted to hand out to them, and I, there was like 280 kids that day, and I'm looking at these 12 bags of clothes, and I mean, each bag is only like this big. I was thinking... I, I told Michael, I was like, there's no way. There's no way there's enough clothes in these bags to fit every one of these kids that are here. We're going to have to pray. We need uh, a miracle. We need God to put his hand on these clothes like he did the loaves and the fishes. Because every kid that is sitting out there, and they separated them out into like 10 groups, age groups and they're all just staring and they've you know these are kids that have nothing in there they've just been told they're going to get a new set of clothes and I'm like we cannot have a single kid that doesn't get something so we just started praying <clears throat> got down to the last kid and we were scrounging we were going through our suitcases we brought, George and I brought a suitcase each full of clothes and digging and digging and digging and sure enough, we found the last outfit 
every child got new set of clothes. And it was like the most unbelievable thing for them. Most of the time I was inside working with the pastors. About 244 pastors were there, all denominations from the whole, all around the region. One guy had walked two days just to be there. And what I was told about this area, these, these men and women that were here, is that they're from all different tribes. Um, some of those tribes have been warring for generations. So you have men and women sharing the same space, some sitting over here, some sitting over here, who they can look across over here and know that their tribe was responsible for ki killing their parent or their or their sibling, or, or their grandparent, and back and forth. It's sort of like the, the backdrop of Romeo and Juliet, you know, to it, it, but it's multiple tribes, and it's just so many layers, and it's been happening for so long, and they're sharing space. And I was asked to talk to them about the principles of forgiveness and reconciliation. And so <clears throat> I walked them through four day's worth of showing them that scripture tells us that, that, that we, the church is one, there's just one body, and, that, and, 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 and Jesus is the head of that one body, that we're all one, and that he is our healer, that he longs to bring healing to us. And, and I, I talk them through that he's, he heals us physically, spiritually, emotionally. He can even heal us relationally. And I, I open it up. I, I thought there might be a few that, that would want to come forward to pray for healing. They all came. <laughs> 200 plus pastors just begging God for his healing in their lives. Then we, on the third day, went into talking about forgiveness, that, that we, we've experienced God's forgiveness, and, 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 and we've got to walk in forgiveness with one another. And I, I talked to them through the practical ways of, of, of how to forgive, not just at the head level, but at the heart level, and, 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 and be freed of, of all this emotional turmoil that we tend to live with. And then we closed out talking about reconciliation. And not only are we given the ministry of reconciliation, we are to be reconciled to one another, realizing that, that I'm, I'm stepping right into these cultural barriers here and, and not sure if this is being received, not sure if, if it's hitting brick walls. You know, it's so hard to read what's going on on their faces, and I, I try not to do that when I speak anyways. So I'm not reading your faces. And um, Michael, our group leader, he gets up, and you know, he, he's a Sudanese refugee himself. So when he's talking to them, he's one of them. And, and for about an hour, he's going on, and I'm, I'm off to the side, and, and 
they're going back and forth and this person stands up and says something and he retorts and then this person over here stands up and says something and I, you know, I have no idea what's, what, what's being talked about and I, I can't tell if it's good or, or not. And he gets done and he says, by the way, I was just telling them that the Bible says we're to treat our wives with respect and that they're supposed to stop beating their wives and that they need to go home and ask forgiveness. I'm like, these, these are the pastors. These are the church leaders. These are the ones who are bringing the message of hope to their congregations. And, and they don't know anything about what Scripture is saying. After that was all done, I, I asked, I, I just needed to know uh, a couple of things. Because I, I, I probably should have asked this at the beginning, but I, I asked it at the end. I said, how many of you in here have received formal training for, uh, for this ministry position that you're doing and two raised their hands out of the 244 that were there. I was surprised by that, but I thought the next question, there'd be more hands. I, I said, okay, well, how many of you are, are getting some kind of regular training, assuming that somebody from the denomination is coming and speaking into their lives or other organizations, you know, other events like the one we were doing happens occasionally and they would come to those and it was zero. Zero. This guy sitting right here stands up and he says something to Michael. Michael looks at me and he says, Pastor Brian, he, um, here's what he's just said. He said, we're baby calves, and we've been feeding this week. But now you, the mama cow, you're leaving us. What are we going to do now? We have nothing, no one else to feed from. Of course, that breaks my heart because I'm like, what, you know, what are we going to do about that? And I just, I, I made a promise to them. From us. First of all, I said, we're, we're going to come back next year. So you can, you can hang on to that. But, but my concern was, can, can we really wait a year to speak into their lives? I mean, can, can we just leave them on their own to try to figure this out on their own for another 12 months? And so I said, I promise that we're going to figure out a way that we're going to get a projector into your hands and a laptop computer into your hands because they, they had electricity most of the time. Um, and we're going to find a way that we're going to upload. We're going to continue to bring teaching to you through the internet somehow, some way so that, so that we can keep feeding you so that at least somebody, because see, they've got organizations that are bringing clothes. They've got organizations that are bringing food. But nobody is bringing any kind of training whatsoever. These are men and women that are leading churches. And I'm not exaggerating here. Every, every pastor that I talk to, how big is your church? I don't know. Yeah, I think we had 500 people there last week. Oh, I think we had 1,500 people there last week. I mean, these are, these are mega churches from our point of view. These are huge churches. And they're being led by men and women that, that have had no training 
not just theology, but they don't know how to organize. They don't know how to lead. They haven't even, they haven't even learned how to brush their own teeth at this point. So we committed, church, I'm, we met with the board this week. We have a projector that used to be used in our old building. We replaced it with TVs. So we have a projector that we get to send Gambella. And I believe we have a laptop computer that's been donated. And so we're going to upload. We're going we're gonna to start bringing some regular teaching to the region of Gambella through the Internet um, starting immediately. And a number of the guys said that they were able to access Internet occasionally. So I gave them our church's website address. There's probably some of them watching our live streaming right now. Um, but I, I feel really good about the fact that we didn't just start something and abandon it, that the region of Gambella, and I'm talking about upwards of 400 to 600,000 people. We are solely the ones feeding that region with teaching, with we'll bring leadership training. We're gonna bring to them whatever we can bring to them, um, but we're the only ones doing it. What an amazing, surprising responsibility, amen? That all ended on Thursday, Friday <clears throat> morning. We got up and we jumped in a van and we kind of did a little tour. The One of the, it used to be the, the largest um, refugee camp in the world, Eton is the name of the camp, is about 45-minute drive outside of Gambella. We weren't allowed to go into the camp. It's protected, and you can't take pictures or anything like that. Um, but we went to a couple of villages uh, that just sit right outside, 100% Sudanese refugees. And these are, you know, I don't understand, when you're, when you're talking about refugees that have, that have fled a country across a river into another country, they, they, they have stories like this. Well, I hid in the jungle for three days, and I didn't have anything to drink, so I had to drink my own urine to survive. And I took bullets. I, had a, I was shot in, the, in my shoulder. My, my finger was blown off. These are, these are the stories we're hearing. And it's just one after another after another. And all these people have witnessed family members, whether it's parents, brothers, sisters, children, killed. They've all seen it with their own eyes. They've, this is their experiences. We go to this one village, and we, the Church of the Nazarene ha, ha, uh, was started there in 1996. Actually, Michael was the one that started this church. This, is, this was his home. This is where he came from. And, uh, you know, they, they welcomed us in. It was a fun time uh, with them. They sang. And um, about 50 kids came in. Some of them had clothes. Some of them did not. This is, when you get outside of Gambella into these villages, this is where you start really seeing the Ethiopia that you assume exists. Nothing but straw huts. Um, no, no floors. It's just mud. And um, people are sometimes clothed, sometimes not. We, 
we spent about an hour or two with them, and we're so far away, you know, and um, us Americans, you know, we, we need a bathroom. We don't, we don't want to just go out on the road, even though all the people just do. That's just how they do it. So we're all holding it in and, like, thinking, man, it's still a 45-minute drive back home. But, oh, we're going to go stand by the river and take a picture, which is uh, one of the offshoots of the Nile River. It's really great. And I wanted to touch the river, but the funny thing is, as we're standing there taking a picture, there are naked people over here, and there are naked people over here bathing in the river. And I was like, I'm not touching that. Uh, So that's where they wash. And uh, so um, I thought we were heading home. And really, I wanted to. Uh, I was tired. I was tired of sweating. It was just hot. But actually, we were going the opposite direction, and we stopped um, in front of this village, and we load out. I'm like, are you serious? We're going to do this again? We just did this for two hours. Um, we couldn't even get into the village because it had rained enough that morning that the village was flooded out. There was just, there were huts sitting in water, you know, water this deep. And uh, we couldn't get in, so we walked, and we just kept walking. We walked about a mile out of our way to get around the outside edge of this village. And we start kind of making our way through the village. I'm in the back of the group. I don't even know what we're doing. I'm not, I don't know why we're there. I'm grumbling a little bit inside, you know. But the crowd starts, you know, they're just starting to follow us like Pied Pipers. You know, what are these white people doing here? You know, and they're, ooh, look, your skin changes colors when you touch it. You know, like that kind of stuff. You know, they're amazed. Uh, and wondering what we're doing there, and we keep walking, and we get up to this uh, blocked-off area, just just like the Church of the Nazarene in Gambella. It's the same kind of fence, and we start hearing a bunch of crowd noise on the other side, and um, they usher us through the doors, and the entire village has gathered together, um, and they're just clapping and shouting. Some of them are. Others are, like, curious as to what's going on, and they bring us to the middle of the village. We're not even in a building. We're just in, in the middle of this field, uh, middle, in, inside of all these huts, and they line us up in chairs just like they did on the first day, and there's three guys that stand up. They must have been local guys, and they're reading from Bibles. Nishan, the gal I talk, told you about a few minutes ago, is sitting next to me, and she leans over, and she says, Oh, he's reading from Jonah. That's all I got. Oh, he's reading from Matthew. Oh, he's reading from Mark. That's, that, that's all I got. As the guy is reading from Jonah, the Holy Spirit says to me, you're going to get asked to stand up. And when you do, I want you to talk about Jonah, talk about your story, share the gospel. I was like, Okay. Uh, these guys sit down. Another guy's invited up. He talks a little bit to the everybody. I think all he's doing is just introducing Africa Relief Ministries that, hey, there's this organization in your area now trying to bring some help. It, it, I think it was all he was saying. And he invites Michael up. Michael talks a little bit, and, they, and then all of a sudden I hear my name. Like, that's the only thing I recognize, right? And all of a sudden I rec- and he's looking at me. He's like, 
Now, he and I had not spoken. He had been at the front of the group trying to figure out how to get, so I, I didn't even know why we were here, but I said, okay. So I got up, surrounded um, by the entire village, and I just said, a few minutes ago, you heard from the story of Jonah. And I, of course, I have to pause and they get a translation. Jonah was a man who heard the voice of God but rejected it. When he rejected God's call, God's voice, it caused him a lot of problems. One of the main problems was he got swallowed up by a fish and he had to live in the fish's mouth for three days. Until finally he came to his senses and when he came to his senses, he said yes to God and he was shot out of the fish's mouth. And I mean, without interpretation, the entire village started laughing hysterically. All of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, they're, they're like hearing every single thing I'm saying. How is this? That was without interpretation. I said, I was a young man and I heard God's voice and I rejected it. Just like Jonah did. And I said, I said no to God and it caused me a lot of problems. But God never stopped loving me like he never stopped loving Jonah, like he's never stopped loving you. See, I had anger in my heart because I watched my father die before my very eyes. And I realized as that was coming out of my mouth, my story connects with them. Didn't even think of it until it was coming out. <laughs> All the while, there's this gnarly, gnarly storm cloud coming in. I don't, it's unlike a storm cloud I've ever seen. I've, I've heard about them. It was like a huge Tootsie Roll. It was just stretching across the sky, and it was just loaded with water. And it was, it was coming directly, it was just going to hammer us. And um, I almost, almost like, a, um, almost like a, one of the storm clouds that, that would have a tornado in it, a wall cloud. It was sort of like that coming right at us. It was just going to hammer us. And, and I, I, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, if, if, if you really want me to do this, you're going to have to hold back this storm. Because we're 45-minute run to our van. This is how far away. Or we're going to have to run through the lake to get to our van. So you're going to have to hold this storm cloud off. And, 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 I'm, and I'm telling you, as this thing was coming right at us, it just started doing this. <laughs> it was like biblical. It just started wrapping itself around the village. Not a single drop of water. Villagers are like pointing up at the sky. What is this? So after sharing them my, 
within my story and this storm cloud thing is doing what it's doing, I just said, um, I, 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 I paused and, and I looked at Michael because he and I hadn't spoken. I said, is this okay? <laughs> like I wasn't sure if it was okay what I was doing here. I just kind of, he was like, yeah, it's okay. I said, all right. If, um, if, if you're at a place in your life where you want to accept Jesus into your life, I'll raise your hand. Now, I, I didn't raise my hand because I, did, I didn't want to, like, manipulate. I, uh, so I just I kept my hand down. That's all I said, knew that the interpretation would come through. And, I, you know, I, I didn't know what, what kind of response was going to be. But I think we have a video here. You can. I believe that you love me. Not again, I believe that you came to this earth. Not again, what you been we mourn a man at Tartan. I believe you died on a cross for me. Not again, what you live your jazz and get a feeder. Now again, we'll be back and pull them around. I confess my sins to you. That we're going to be able to come to you and tell them I ask you to forgive me. That's the age of Polyduka. Come live in my heart. There's a better generator. And transform me from the inside out. Gera, Nereida, Abonarara. Even the pastors were raising their hand, and I was a little... You know, I wasn't sure what was going on there, but Michael pulled me a side letter and he said, he said, probably nobody there, including the pastors, had ever heard the gospel presented in such a clear and concise way. And literally, we could say that the entire village was saved that day. And it's, that, that I don't, I mean, we have no idea, we're just guessing, but that, that crowd there is 360 degrees around us and they were 10, 11, 12 deep. So I don't know, you do the math, you can pick whatever number, five, six, seven hundred probably um, in that realm. The, this is the faces of the people that we get to continue to minister to. The pastors that were there will continue to come to our trainings that we're going to send out monthly so that they can continue to feed these people. So we didn't just start something and then just abandon it, but we started something and we get to keep feeding it and keep fanning it into flame. That the God of the Bible, the God of all those stories through the book of Acts, the God that 
did all those miracles that we read about. And in America, you know, I'm sad for us. And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm sad for us. Because reality is we don't really need him. We sing a song this morning declaring our need for him. But, man, in the, when, when it's all said and done, we're, we have so many comforts. We have so much provided for us. We have so much purpose and busyness that is, that is put before us that, that it kind of pushes the need for God out. And then you, you go to the other side of the planet and you drop yourself in a place where, where they have nothing. When they have church, they may or may not have electricity, and it really doesn't even matter because what, they don't, they're not running anything. They, they may have a drum. Everything that they do, and they sing so loud that, I mean, you think our speakers are loud. They're, they're singing full voice, hundreds and hundreds of them, and, and they're declaring these things about God, and you're like, how, do you really believe that when, when, when you literally have nothing? I mean, do you really believe that God is with you all the time when, when you might be the people who would first say he's abandoned us? But they never said that. They never said anything. Now, they've said the world has forgotten us. They did say that because they look at the countries that are around them, like Kenya, who, where America has poured so much money into Kenya that, uh, uh, from what I've been told, if you travel to Kenya, it's almost like going into another city or another state in the United States. That's how well-to-do they are. That's just, that's their neighbor. And, and, and South Sudan and Ethiopia are like, And so I, I, I experience this and I come back and, and, and my heart is broken for us almost more than it is for them because we, we t- can take our faith in God so, so for granted and we can have such a lackadaisical approach to digging into the word, worshiping God, coming together, and it's all that they have. And when it's all that you have, there's energy and there's passion that a, that a girl who has no family whatsoever can stand up in front of a crowd of strangers and sing at the top of her lungs, God is with me. She knows something that I don't. She's experienced something with God's <laughs> presence in her life that I need to be hungry for. It's a journey. I, I don't, I'm, the journey, the point of the journey today is not to make us feel bad about ourselves, okay? We don't need to. But I, I am hoping that somehow, some way, we can start to gain a hunger and a thirst for God. And it's going to be harder for us because there's so much stuff we have to push through that, that gets in our way and, and keeps us from, from encountering God at these levels. But, but, but we can. Mia just said it, you know, it, it, uh, will we purpose to do so? 
Will we purpose to do so? It's, it's a choice that, that we can and have to make. These, this group of people um, are a part of us now. Um, I think it's going to change us as we have this whole region that um, is sort of like the baby calves, you know, and, and, and we get to stay connected to them and we get to keep bringing them um, spiritual food, leadership food, whatever, whatever it is that we're bringing them. And, and, and we're going to go back next year. And I, I told them I, I was going to bring about 10 people with me. And that might be you. Somebody, uh, there might be some couples in here. Here's, here, here's what we'll be doing. Uh, we're going to teach the pastors again. So there might be some in here that want to participate in that. We're going we're gonna to keep working with the orphans. Um, and the children of that community, because they just kept adding every day. There's more and more kept coming in and kept coming in. I'm hoping to bring some some medical professionals with us that maybe we could just provide some basic um, medical care. Maybe we, a suitcase full of glasses. Their eyes, their stone, the eye problems there are just uh, no. There's there's no. There's nobody taking care of them that way. Maybe we could just bring some eyeglasses, just some cheapy things that we can just start fitting them with. And then the property that Michael talked to us about, uh, African Relief Ministries has about six acres of land. They started clearing the land while we were there uh, so that they could put up a fence. Um, Because if they don't, people will start building huts right there on their property, just it's just kind of how, how it happens. And their intention is to build a facility that can house some of these widows and orphans um, and become a community center. Um, that property, I think there's a picture of it. There was a, uh, a picture, Doug, that has a white sign on it. That, that's the property. And um, that, that's about 20 minutes outside of Gambell. It's about 20 minutes from the Nazarene church there, just so that you kind of have a, an understanding of, of where it's at. But there, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous plan that they have in place for the structure. I, I'm, you know, my, I'm not as passionate about the structure as I am about bringing uh, up these men and these women who are leading these churches. You do the math, 244 times 500, 1,000. I mean, we're, we're talking, the, the churches alone represent a hundred to 200,000 people probably. And it's overwhelming. Uh, I'm still trying to download it, and I'm, I'm not doing a very good job of, of, of taking it in. But I hope today that you've experienced a little bit of my journey, knowing that God is at work. And, and, you know, these stories don't happen except that I just had a couple of simple obediences. I said yes to this trip. I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was doing. I, Greg, Greg, kept at, Greg White kept asking me, so how are you feeling about Africa? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. 
I was so unsure about what I was doing. I, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a yes with absolute uncertainty attached to it until just a few days before going. And then I started catching a, a, a vision for, okay, even though I didn't know what, these, what the situation with these pastors was, I was like, at least I have purpose. I wanted to go home. I wanted to go back to the hotel. I'm wearing shorts and an undershirt on Friday. It was the last shirt I had. Everything else had been sweated out so bad, I just stunk. And I'm wearing an undershirt, and the Lord says, you're going to get up and you're going to preach in front of all these people. I was like, wearing this? Looking like this? Like, really? But I haven't prepared. Simple yes. I just, you know, and... And maybe that's, that's our takeaway. Can we be people that just have a simple yes on our hearts and our, and our minds and our relationship with God? When he taps us, when he prods us a little bit, when he speaks to us about something, can we simply have yes as our response? Not knowing, not fathoming what the results of that might be. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, we're overwhelmed by you by the story of you that is still unfolding across the planet and it's unfolding here in our lives. Perhaps there might have been some here who were doubting that you really existed but have watched a story unfold without exaggeration. The only explanation is you. And so we we just choose to have a yes on our hearts. It's a residual Yes, it's a continual yes. So simplistic. No bells and whistles attached to it, no, no, no fancy production attached to it, just a simple yes in our hearts. When you speak to us, when you tap us on the shoulder, when you point us in a certain direction, That simplicity can be so hard for us because there's just so much in our lives that can get in the way. So much that can that we can be distracted by. But that's our reality. 
so we thank you for your grace and your mercy that has been functioning in our lives up to this moment. And we thank you for the grace and, the mercy, and your mercy that will continue to. We are a people who want to do life your way. We do. Holy Spirit, I, I, I know you're, you're talking to people. I know I know that you're touching lives. And I just ask that you keep doing that. And we'll keep listening. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Gambella. And we add them to our prayer lists. Now that we feel like we've seen them, linked arms with them, we pray for them that you will continue to reveal your truth to them. That as, as those men and women are digging into your word, that you will give them divine understanding whether you're speaking through us or through whomever, or just directly to them, that you will help them to understand what they're seeing and give them the ability to communicate that to those that are listening. That that whole region would be transformed. That the world would know that there is a God because of what, what's happening with those refugees the South Sudanese and the Ethiopian, that the world will pay attention, the world will wake up to that, and they'll be like, wow, what is that about? And they'll just be able to say, God is with us. He has saved us. He's redeeming us. He's raising us up. It would be the testimony on the lips of the people of that region. Of course, we want that right here. And it starts with us. So we just commit to having the simple yes on our lips and in our hearts and in our mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just one last thing. Um, the, build, the church of the Nazarene that we're in, building that we were doing the conference and the ministering to the orphans throughout the week, the Sunday before, or the Sunday that we were landing in Ethiopia that morning, the church had about 500 people in church. I talked to the pastor. His name's Peter. By the way, all of these guys, when they, be, when they become converted, uh, they take on a biblical name. So there's like 10 Peters, 17 Pauls, and 14 Stevens. I'm like, I can't keep it all straight. But they're, they're easy names to say, but I had no idea who was who. <clears throat> Um, and uh, the report I got as we, we left Ethiopia on Saturday and we were flying throughout the night into Sunday, through Sunday morning, the report I got was uh, last Sunday 2,100 people were at church. 
because of the impact on the community. 2,100 people. The, it's, the scope is to, I, I just, you know, like I said, try to download all that. It, it's just nearly impossible for me to fathom. But it's God. We say yes to God, and he goes beyond, beyond, beyond we could think or imagine. Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. Thank you for giving me the time today to share the journey. Hopefully it's connected. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, fill you with his peace. I do hope you have an amazing week in him. See you next Sunday. There's a safe